1: been one demand and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy period that's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here the prime thing is you have to win you have to win otherwise you can't be a success in professional football
0: you're listening to the state of the nation with Jimmy Durkin Vic Tafer, to Reed and Ted Nguyen on the athletic podcast network
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders got their first win of the season on Sunday. Now they are getting ready to head to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs on Monday night. See if they can get to 2-3 and going into the bye week. And I thought it was a good time to kind of just really evaluate the state of the AFC West. Uh, We thought an 0-3 start to this season would really hamper the Raiders and it very well could uh we know the the math is not great for teams that start one and three but when you start looking around the division right now the Chiefs are, are back on top as as you know the favorite that everyone kind of is, is always by default expects them to be the Chargers are a team that a lot of people were were really high on it's kind of the annual offseason thing to get excited about the Chargers and they middling around a little bit they got a lot of injuries. Uh, you know Joey Bosa, Rayshon Slater. Although their rookie left tackle that filled in for him did play pretty well, and then we've got the Broncos, who two and three, after uh, just uh, really an insult to everybody's eyes on Thursday night, their uh, their game against the Colts. As we look at the Raiders, they're one and three. We know they've got a tough challenge going to Kansas City on Monday. If they fall to one and four, that doesn't sound like it would it would be very good, and it would normally put them. Really, kind of out of contention, but as we see the rest of the division, is there still a window uh, for the Raiders, even that, even as they have not gotten off to the best start this season?
3: I think so. I mean, I think the AFC West hasn't lived up to the hype of uh, the preseason, and I, I think there's some reason to that. Injuries happened, and I think there was some caution uh, people had about Russell Wilson moving to a different situation. I think some people started to sour on Wilson's game last year, even when he was in Seattle and, you know, even when he started playing well towards the end of last season. And we're seeing all those things, uh, those concerns that we had about Russell Wilson just kind of come all together right now in Denver. And um, yeah, last night was pretty bad. Nathaniel Hackett's decision-making continues to be a problem. He might be one of the worst decision-making head coaches that I, I've seen in a, in a long time especially with that um, that call to pass the ball late in the fourth quarter when they had the game in hand. Um, that was pretty hard. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the division is pretty open. Um, obviously, the Chiefs are in a different class right now, though.
4: Yeah, I think it's mostly about the Chargers for me because I, I was pretty consistent. I thought the Broncos were going to be the worst team in this division. I didn't think they were going to be that bad, but I, I did have them fourth. But the Chargers, you know, with all the injuries that they've had, it's really kind of skewed expectations for them. You know, kind of in Justin Herbert, um, you know, seeing, I mean, his rib injury is probably going to be something that he has to deal with, I would guess, for most of if not all of the season. It, it seems like he's starting to adjust to it a little bit uh, based off of his most recent performance. And so it's really about whether the Chargers um, are able to kind of overcome their injuries and, and, and be a playoff team or not. If not, then that, that opens the door, you know, for the Raiders within the division. I don't think, you know, there's a question in winning the division. I think the Chiefs are pretty clearly the the best team in AFC West. but. You know, the rest of the AFC even, you know, hasn't been the juggernaut conference that we all thought it was going to be coming into the, the season. I mean, most of the teams are are either 2-2 two and two or 2-3 two and three or, you know, some other record that's, that's not that great. And so, you know, the Raiders, week five hasn't been played, but so far the Chiefs are like the only team on their schedule right now that, that has a winning record. And so, you know, this is all to say that, you know, the path towards the Raiders turning this thing around, they don't have the toughest opponents in the world. I guess the downside to that is... Their only win so far is against the Broncos, who seem to be pretty terrible, and it wasn't exactly a convincing win. So it's not a lot of evidence to say that the Raiders aren't, you know, just like all those other teams. But, you know, it's not like they have, you know, murderers row or anything you know, on their way to trying to turn the season around.
1: Yeah, I think Monday is going to be tough. Obviously, you know, playing at KC has been tougher than the last, you know, ever since my home showed up. So I think you look past that maybe and look at games like you know, Indianapolis and Jacksonville, teams that you're going to be vying against for a wildcard spot. Those games become huge all of a sudden. You have to win those games if you're going to get back in this thing. So I, I agree with you that the AFC West is definitely down a notch. But um, again, if the Chiefs win on Monday, they're kind of going to, you know, I think run away and hide again. So I think now you're looking at wildcard teams and what you can do. To kind of improve your fate there, so I think those games
2: become become huge. I mean, in terms of other reasons to be optimistic about the Raiders, um you know, the play of Max Crosby this season has been, you know, we talked about it on the post game show. Uh, he just keeps taking his game to a, a whole another level. uh you know, We always talk about you know just kind of the energy he brings, and I mean, he he almost never leaves the field. He's played ninety four percent of the snaps. He doesn't seem to ever get tired. You know, he works so hard. We talk about the Raiders being at one and three, but you just wonder where would they be with, without Max Crosby? Uh you know, I, I know we, we kinda had the quarter point review this week where we uh reviewed the Raiders uh four games into the season and, and Vic, you know, he was the team MVP for you and, and it's pretty clear why.
1: Yeah, it's impressive. least I mean coming out of college there was a lot of concerns about him, you know, size, the kid play against the run, but he's a guy who's constantly worked and got better and just um you know, I think um, now he can play inside at times. and He can be effective there. It's so just a guy who has become a top, you know, top twenty-five player in the NFL, and, and not getting a lot of help from his teammates so far on defense. So, again, just shows you the great, uh, the great draft record of Mike Mayock. There's a home run
4: for Mike right there. So, tip of the cap. He's great that those late rounds, right? <laughs> Day three picks is where he made his money, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, answer to the question: Is they would be zero and four? I mean, he pretty much took over that that Broncos game in, in the second half. You know, he killed their first drive, I believe it was, with a sack, and then he had another sack on the next drive. And on the next drive, he had that play where he, like, batted the ball at the line of scrimmage back into Russell Wilson's hands. I didn't even notice that live until we saw the replay because I was wondering how – how Russ got it back and Max Crosby gave it to him, basically. Um, yeah, he's been legitimately one of the best defenders in the league this year so far. And I mean, it's kind of a cliche, guys say they're, they're in the best shape of their, their life, you know, every year, it seems like. But you know, he really puts the work in. I mean, he's always at the facility in offseason, um, early morning workouts. Unfortunately for us, he's often on the field after practice, so we don't really get to see him in the locker room all that much. So it's, it's paying off for him. You know, it's, it's something that I think we we've seen the flashes of his ability the last couple of years, but now it's the consistency. You know, it's pretty much game in and game out. There there aren't those those lapses or kind of quiet dead periods that he might have had in the past. It's pretty much every game. You know, he's Max Crosby in full force, and um, that's one of the best players in the league.
3: And when you consider how
4: durable he's
3: been, if you're looking at all the top edge rushers in the league, he's not quite there with Miles Garrett and. TJ Watt, but like those guys get hurt and he doesn't, He's he stays on the field. So when you consider his health, you know, I, I think you might have to put him in that that top tier of um, very special edge ed- ed rushers in the league.
2: And I wonder if that, like, you know, those guys were all like, you know, just really bulked up, you know, just bigger guys that, you know, have those tightly wound muscles. Whereas like Max, the knock on him coming in the league was like, ah, oh, he's a little too skinny. He's not strong enough. It, it seems like. You know, he kind of added his bulk and added his strength. You know, and so I, I wonder if that just kind of the way he's been able to build himself up—that's kind of just helped him. He's got those long limbs. We've got we see that wingspan. I, I think the one thing that his game's missing that that he's going to eventually there's going to be some splash plays where he knocks up a pass in the air and intercepts it and runs it for a touchdown. Uh, we're we're going to see a couple of those in his career, and and I just wonder if kind of the way that he came into the league you know, a little more gangly and has, has built up that strength really as an NFL player has maybe helped him, uh, just, just kind of build a body that's more durable for the league.
3: And uh, we talked about this before, it's just like, he's, he plays the game so intelligently. And, you know, I think that's another trait that he has that just like really sticks out when I, when I watch him, you know, I, I haven't watched those guy, those other top rushers as closely, but. As far as just being able to read and process what the, the the opposing offense is doing, you know I think he could be either top of the league or near the top of the league in that trade as well.
4: yeah, he just uh needs some help man. I don't know uh, this uh, <laughs> the pass rush you know we've said it a few times like they're statistically you know the bottom third of the league and that's because you know Chandler Jones has been very quiet.
2: Man, he's doing things that yeah, just don't show yeah, up in the box score. Did not? did yeah, you hear Josh McDaniels yeah, tell us that?
4: that uh, he's got to got to step it up. Um, you know, they paid him too much money and got rid of a guy, Unique Ngakwe, who was pretty good for them last year that they could have just kept. So, they um, didn't make that upgrade for you know what they've gotten so far. I'm not saying he's not capable, obviously, but you know it has to start sh- showing in the results on the field in terms of getting after the quarterback and um, not just him, but also the, the interior pass rush has pretty much been non-existent. The Law Nichols. You know, their biggest sign in there gave him a good amount of money. He hasn't really had much success getting after the quarterback, along with the rest of the defensive tackles. And so it's pretty much just been Max Crosby outside of guys who's given them help on blitzes. We saw Nate Hobbs get a sack last week on a blitz or, you know, Jonathan Abram has been using some blitz packages um, throughout the year. And, you know, if you have to send blitzes, you have to. But ideally, you know, they'll be able to you know get more pressure from their from their front four. Sue's
3: still out there. He's probably pretty cheap now. His price tag had to go down. Yeah,
4: I don't, I don't think it's $9 million anymore, or whatever I reported it was. Get, get the private plane in. Get the private jet. Fly him in. Right,
1: Vic? Obviously, they need some help, I think, especially now with teams you know, we saw last week, the Broncos uh, doubling on Max early. So I think that's happened more and more. So that, that should create opportunities for other guys in that front line. And if they can't get it done, then, you know, if you're serious about making a run, then you got a lot of cap space. So, yeah, I'm not sure... Uh, Give him Dominican a call. I'm sure he'll
2: come come down. All right. Well, the other player at the Raiders would probably be zero and four without is Josh Jacobs. Uh, twenty eight carries on Sunday that tied for the second most in his career. The Raiders are eight and one when he gets twenty five or more carries in a game. When he gets twenty or more, they're thirteen and three. Uh, so it's been a pretty good formula throughout his career. You feed him the ball, the Raiders generally win. Obviously, we we know twenty five carries for a running back in, in this day and age is a lot, and uh, that's not you know reasonable every game. Even 20 is is more than most teams want to give a running back. But it's been a winning formula. Is that something that can be a formula for the Raiders against the Chiefs? Uh, or you know, is there a fear that Jacobs can't hold up to that? You know, this is a situation where the Raiders do have an extra day's rest. They're playing on a Monday, and they've got the bye after. So you would think if if there's ever a, a, an area where you want to stack up a couple of games where you really lean on Josh Jacobs, this might be the time to do it.
1: 35 carries this week. 35. 35. <laughs>
2: if teams are going to play
3: really soft against the Raiders with you know sub personnel and too high trying to double Waller and Adams then you know yeah you got to take advantage and and run the ball obviously you don't want to give the Josh Jacobs too many carries you know at that sort of volume like in a Broncos game too often but this is the the magnitude of this game is a game where yeah you you know you kind of if the run is working and is there, you know, don't hesitate to just keep feeding him the rock because he, he's just when he gets the ball, it's just much different than any other back that the Raiders have.
4: Yeah, I really, think that's their only chance in this one is to try to make it like an ugly game, muck it up a little bit, slow it down, and you know, play ball control. And the uh, best way to do that, obviously, is, is running the ball. You know, the Chiefs have been one of the better run defenses in the league. I think they're they're third in, in yards per carry allowed, so it's not necessarily going to be be easy but i don't think that that means you just not try to do it especially since the chiefs you know this year they've been better themselves at running the ball and and seemingly more willing to do so than they've done in the past and so you know the raiders defense has been feisty you know that they've kind of had their spurts but they haven't been consistent enough for me to expect them to you know hold up in a a shootout type game going up against chiefs with with patrick mahomes still looking like the same quarterback we've seen the last few years and so they might as well run it back with that that run first offense and, and try to you know, implement that balanced attack on offense and, and see if it, it gives them the same results as it did last week.
3: we got to credit this offensive line, too, for how, how well they're running the ball. This is the best I've seen Colton Miller look as far as a, a run blocker. And just with all the uh, the movement around the offensive line, you know, that interior is able to get a pretty good push.
4: Yeah, I mean, they've been definitely better at, at run blocking and then pass blocking. And even they've, they've been, you know, solid at least at, at pass blocking. I know we've kind of questioned maybe that's more than getting rid of the ball quickly, but they're still – Top 10 in, in pressure rate allowed in a good way. And so the offensive line has, has been more than fine considering they've had four different starting lineups in four games and all these moving parts, you know, guys rotating during games. And a lot of Josh Jacobs' yards have come after contact, so, so obviously a lot of it is him kind of making something out of nothing in certain situations. But there's still been some holes there, more so than there, there's been the last couple of years. It was obviously pretty tough sledding for him, you know, after his rookie year.
2: Yeah, I mean, the line has not been the problem that we – Projected they would be, I mean they haven't been you know they're they're not the reason that the Raiders are you know soaring on offense because obviously they're not soaring on offense, but they're allowing them to do what they need to do and that kind of brings me into the next topic is Derek Carr I mean he's he's yet to have a Derek Carr game this season right I mean he's you know the the opener he was bad um yeah you, know, you look at the Arizona game he was he was okay you know he they, they all kind of fell apart in the second half you know against denver he, he was fine um but we haven't seen, you know, Derek Carr is always every every year of his career has had games where he's shown flashes of being a top ten quarterback. He's due kind of for one of those, and get doing it against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Not exactly the best setting for it, but unlike all those years in the past where they always played these games uh, in in December and January in the cold, you know they are playing this Monday night. Uh, you know, forecast for uh, Kansas City on on Monday, high of eighty two degrees. Obviously, be a little cooler at night, but uh, he's going to have a and should be nice conditions for him to go out there and play on Monday night in KC.
1: Yeah, the, the narrative you know, this year has been that the AFC West has you know kind of been uh, a mess, underachieved. So if the Raiders win Monday, that kind of fits the narrative. Like the whole thing really is. Uh, topsy-turvy kind of mess, so you're right, he hasn't played well in KC historically, but um, this year, I mean, you got Devontae Adams, you got Renfro back now from the concussion, so I keep talking about this, you know, this should be A top five offense, and this is a great chance to kind of show that you kind of got over the hiccups with the new system and Josh McDaniels and and they played well last week besides the red zone problem, so you fix some of those, and maybe you can win a shootout against this team. Maybe you can score 30 points and get a win, so it's definitely going to be the toughest challenge so far this year, but you're right. If Derek Carr wants to get this team to the playoffs again, he has to play better, and why not start that on on Monday?
3: Yeah, I, I think he Definitely looked a lot more comfortable in this offense uh, against Denver, so maybe that is a sign that he, he is starting to settle into this offense. I th- I think getting Hunter Renfro back is going to be huge too, because you know all these guys are getting double, and obviously Mac Hollins um, ha- has been good on you know running those backside digs and those sort of routes. But when you have a guy like Renfro that can really just run all these d- different t- sort of routes, convert on third downs, a- and just win really quickly. And with the space he'll get, with the way that teams are covering the Raiders, especially um, with the Chiefs type of defense that they run, I think he, he could be in line for a big day. And as far as the offense goes, you have to score early against this Chiefs offense and try to get Andy Reid to be impatient. Because if, if he's patient with the run like he, he was against Tampa Bay, it, this offense is, I think it's nearly impossible to stop.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, excuses are pre- getting pretty short for the offense at this point. I mean, the offensive line has been better than expected. Um, with Renfro, you know, expected to be back this week. The, the starting unit is at full strength. You know, I, I mean, if they don't perform at this point, I think we have to start putting more focus towards towards Josh McDaniels, you know, as an offensive play caller and just kind of the, the leader of the unit. I mean, every have all the, all the talent in the world there, and, and your biggest weakness that we all thought is not really a weakness so far. So there's really no reason why they shouldn't be able to, put up points in, in bunches, um, you know, their biggest issues. They've been able to move the ball. I mean, they, they've been like a fringe top 10 team in most, you know, yardage metrics, but they just haven't been able to finish drives, you know, the, among the worst red zone teams in the league. And so that's been a, a pretty constant narrative for the Raiders, I would say, to let, since they moved to Vegas, really. Uh, maybe longer than that, you know, but at least since they moved to Vegas. But, you know, you don't add Devontae Adams and expect that to, and, and, and a, you know, upgrade at play caller and Josh McDaniels um, and, and expect for that to continue. And so – as as Vic said, you know, they didn't make those moves to be top 10. You know, it's got to be one of the, the best offenses in the league, and um, we'll, we'll see if they can take their step forward now that they're back at full strength.
1: I was going make to make it simpler. Maybe just like when you get into the red zone, just have uh, Adams runner fade to one side, Waller fade in the other side. You pick one, touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that works.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I should be a coach. And then it's, g- it's going to be Mac Hollins. It's going to be Mac Collins wide exactly. open in the middle see? of the field. Uh,
1: well,
3: we're- if, if I can, oh, we're problem solving
1: here, man. We're problem solving. It's
2: beautiful.
3: Waller has to be better in this game. Um, I saw a chart that they were charting EPA missed by drops. So the, who had the most impactful drops of the season? And Darren Waller was number one. So, he, you know, he just got a contract extension. And that Carr and Waller connection has to finally hit in this game. They can't have all the, the missed connections that they, they've they had all, uh, all season.
2: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: Now, how much do we think that has to do with the fact that Waller basically did not have a training camp? Um, you know, the hamstring injury, injury you know that w- was bothering him. Um, that suddenly felt a lot better once he got the contract. They didn't get a lot of time together. You know, during training camp, uh, which is it's not like Carr and Waller have not thrown with each other for for several years already. They they have a rapport but um the fact that you are in a new offense and you didn't maybe really get to work out some of those kinks with Waller do we think that could uh could be playing a role in this slow start from Waller you hope so
1: otherwise not really any other obvious explanations to why he's having trouble I think um you, you never know some guy I think one thing that's um kind of lost in a shuffle sometimes is when coaches come and go a lot of upheaval I know Darren was very comfortable with, with Frank Smith the old tight end coach I think since he left Maybe it's been a little bit of a I'm not a, I won't say issue, but it just hasn't been as productive since Frank left. And I'm not sure if Frank's hitting the right buttons or not, but uh sometimes yeah. small things kind of become big things. But uh you're right, there's no reason why Darren and, and Derek can't get back in sync and uh I'm sure whatnot right will go with the, the training camp thing, but uh if that's not it then you have to wonder uh, what's happened.
3: I think it has to come to, into play just considering, you know, how how many how much we've heard uh receivers uh, ha- you know had struggles really learning his offense and you know i mean you know maybe he was studying the playbook outside of uh practice but it's just a different thing to actually physically run these routes and convert when you know you see certain coverages and uh throw against cars maybe he's just think you know it looks like he's thinking too much when, he- when he's out there and he's just not playing free and loose so you know i think it, it does come to play a little bit that he didn't get all those offseason reps in
4: I mean, he's had a a weird issue this year with drops, too. Uh, I think he has, like, the third highest drop rate among tight ends in the league right now, which typically hasn't been an issue for him. He's usually pretty sure-handed. And, I mean, he's been getting open. Uh, It's not like he's just getting locked up. I mean, it's just when he does get open, either, you know, whether it's a drop or, you know, Derek Carr, you know, even being off on some throws to him that could have been touchdowns. Um, You know, just he's kind of looked out of place. And, I mean, he's typically been the, the number one target with the Raiders. And, and so he's having to adjust to being the number two or number three on some plays even. And at this point in the season, I'm, I'm not really like the whole they didn't play in the preseason, that kind of thing. yeah, like, eh, we're, we're a month into the year now. You got to get past that shit. I mean, they should be able to, to to figure that out at some point, you'd think. So if it's going to click, it should start clicking here in the next next week or two. Otherwise, it may just not be a, a great season for him.
2: You, know, Vic, I wanted to talk to you about, you talked to Matt Castle last week, just to kind of gauge, what is it like to learn this offense? Uh, you know, for Derek, he's, he's got a history of having to learn a lot of different offenses. Um, you know, he's had a lot of play callers, had a lot of head coaches. What did you gather from Matt uh, in, in talking to him about what it's like when you're first being introduced to the Josh McDaniels offense and trying to to grasp it?
1: My biggest takeaways were he said the, the verbiage and the way that the offense is, you know, is is talked about and kind of, you know, the the, the calls is much different than the other teams. And the other teams just use a kind of a tweak here and there and he you know, they has a different kind of way of doing things and that may take a little while to get used to. And also, as far as the whole thing with like, you know, Derek Carr saying, I'm doing what Josh wants me to do and I'm going through my progressions and make sure I do what he wants me to do kind of period, I think that's foul to a point where Matt was saying, well, that's true, but as you gain getting time and a system, there is an avenue for feedback and for you know adjustments and stuff. So he thinks that will get better with time, which makes sense. So uh, he wasn't too worried about, um, he's watched a lot of the Raiders this year, and uh, he thinks Derek Carr has little tools you need To be a successful quarterback in Josh's system is going to be a a thing where, even with all these weapons that they have, it's going to take some time to work out the kinks, so um, he sees enough good things where he's not really too worried about this
2: offense going forward. Is that one of those things that, are like, I mean, Derek Carr should should be speaking up more? Should You you said that as you get more time in it, you kind of have more avenues to offer feedback. I mean, should Derek Carr be kind of taking a larger voice and saying, like, Josh, this is what we need to do. This offense can't be operating like this?
1: And he might be. I think both, like, Devontae and he both hit on early on that they would have this avenue where they would give input and feedback. I'm sure Derek is, but you know, sometimes the message you, you put out there is not exactly what's happening behind the scenes, so maybe you want to, like, I mean, maybe it's a subconscious thing, but obviously, this thing goes south if the offense does not click and they have a losing record this year. there's going to be two ways to look at it. Okay, so either the play caller's fault or it's the quarterback's fault. And Josh McDaniels' first year of his four-year contract it's not going to be his fault, so that's not—he's not the fault guy here. So maybe Derek is aware of that.
2: There's no out dude, the three days after the Super Bowl yeah. and Josh McDaniels' yeah. deal. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I'm not—I mean,
1: I'm, Derek's a very savvy guy, so I know he's trying his best. But maybe he also wants it out there. Hey, man, you know, this is not all on me. Like, if this doesn't work out, it's not totally going to be my fault, which it won't be the way it's perceived down the stretch. But he wants to get that out there now. Uh, people can kind of think about, oh, maybe it is, you know, the play calling. So it's a complicated, uh, fascinating uh, mind. But uh, we'll see what happens. Again, it's just take, ideally, it takes time. They get it clicking, they score 30 points Monday, and everyone's everyone's happy again.
2: All right, that'll lead us up to Monday. Who is ready to make their predictions?
4: Well, the Raiders are going to lose by. I mean, it's not as not going to be as bad as last year, I don't think. I know I had a a sound bite last year that wasn't too kind. I think it's going to be Chiefs thirty four, Raiders Raiders twenty four. So it's a respectable loss. I think they're their fav- the Chiefs are favored by seven points, and so they lose by ten.
2: You don't even have them covering the spread. That's it's, not respectable. It's, it's not
4: forty points or whatever the fuck it was last year. So I mean. It's an improvement. I think they're you know, relatively competitive in the game. It's, it's not they're not getting embarrassed or anything like that. I think the offense, you know, I, I just don't think they, they're able to keep up with the, with that Chiefs attack ultimately in, in the defense. Um, as I said earlier, you know they, they've they've had flashes and moments, but I, I think they have a, a few issues where where they'll be able to be exploited. And this is one of those tough ones. I mean, this is Arrowhead. They haven't had a lot of success there or playing the Chiefs in general since Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback, and so. I haven't dropped into one and four. But as we said earlier, you know, that's not necessarily the death knoll it would usually be in the AFC. Um, You know, There's still plenty of room after the bye um, for them to pick things up and then try to make a comeback here with their season. But I I don't see this – it's starting with this one.
3: You guys think Denzel Perriman's going to play?
4: He was uh, out there in, like, a red non-contact jersey yesterday. Since he has an extra day, he should be able to, you know, in terms of protocol rules, be able to get out there full – um, when they practice Saturday. And so he should be at least, you know, questionable. I don't think he's going to be ruled out before the game. It seems like both him and Hunter Renfro, who came back to practice earlier this week, um, have a decent shot to, to get back out there.
3: I think Perriman is going to be big in this game because, you know, like you guys mentioned, the Chiefs were, have been more patient running the ball, and they ran the ball down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' throats. And they're, a, you know, top two. They might be the second-best run defense in, in the league. Yeah, I think you really need Denzel Perriman to get make some splash plays and punish those running backs who I don't think are are that good. I think they're running the ball well because they have a, a very physical offensive line. And Trey Smith, their the right guard, is questionable for this game. So that's that's something to monitor too because he's a he's a big part of that run game. But you know, I I have the Raiders losing thirty-five to thirty. You know, I, I don't think the Chiefs are gonna kick they're going to go for fourth downs when they get close to the red zone the Harrison buckers might not play this game again and i think the raiders might i think they're going to move the ball well but you know a couple field goals in the red zone might end up um dooming them in this game so i got
4: a chiefs 35-30 30 is new season high man uh, or would be that's, a, that's an optimistic uh, prediction, I got it against the Broncos. Well, the Broncos doesn't count. It was, it was, it was o- offensive points. Off the Broncos are off, supposed off, to be it. Broncos are supposed well, to be. They, a, they had a, a defensive touchdown in the game. So offensive thirty points in this game. There you go. Ch fumb- fumbles into
3: Denzel Perriman's hands for uh, for another touchdown. Max Crosby. Yeah, Max, Max Crosby, Crosby gets his defensive touchdown.
1: Well, I'm picking the Raiders to beat the spread, so uh, no, not, no, no, well, trying to hear that shit. Me, trying to let, hear let that me, shit. Let, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So I might as well pick the Raiders to win the game. I'm picking the Raiders to win uh, 31-30. I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying the Chiefs' run game. I think. Um, Here's the thing. The Raiders played desperate last week. And they have to do it again. If they come out with the same attitude and play that way again, they'll have a shot. And I think the the, the Chiefs coming off this big win against Tom Brady. They kind of won pretty easily, I'm sure. They're not going to have a total letdown. But, I mean, come on. They've handled the Raiders pretty good the, the last two, four years. Mahomes can't be too worried about the uh, the bus trip and the stomping on the logo. I mean, he says all stuff. But, really, is he sweating the Raiders? Not too much. So, I think the mental preparation and maybe the... Uh, the desperation will be different on both sides. So, again, I keep saying this offense it has got to keep—it's got to click at some point. And the red zone problems this week will uh, will be will be solved. So, I'm going thirty-one uh, thirty. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the AFC West is now a huge—a huge mess.
2: Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to read off stat: uh, yards per attempt in his career, eight point oh seven. Patrick Mahomes, yards per attempt facing a Patrick Graham coordinated defense. 5.73
1: is that one game though how many games is that <laughs> one
4: game <laughs> <What>? <laughs> all right <What? laughs>
1: oh,
2: it was a good game plan though oh, man. it was a bad giants team last season and Patrick combs only 29 of 48 for 275 yards 5.73 yards per attempt tyree kill had 12 catches that day held to 94 yards. Obviously, he's not on the team anymore, so that's not really relevant. But it shows that Patrick Graham last year was able to come up with a pretty good game plan. I thought I was going to be the only one. Yeah, I'm joining
1: last. On the Raiders last. win
2: train. Yeah. Derek Carr has flashes where he looks like a really good quarterback, where he looks like a top 10 quarterback. And we've gone four games this season where he's yet to do that. I think he's due. I think he has, you know, a three touchdown game in him. And I think the Raiders win 31-28. It's spicy.
3: This is Spicy.
2: Maximum chaos in the AFC West.
3: To your guys' prediction, uh, we haven't seen the Chiefs have two good offensive performances in a row in a long time. Like We've seen them kind of break out, and then the next game they'll go back into trying to be impatient and throwing deep and all that stuff. So, you want
1: to change, you know, you change your pick? Come on. We'll, 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 come on you, you can have on if you want.
2: We'll join, join the trade. I can't. I can't. I'm sticking with mine. <laughs> yes. I'm not not
4: convincing <laughs> you. <to me. laughs> Or last year, Vic was like the Chiefs are clearly, or the Raiders are clearly the better team. That, that is clearly. Part. They were. Oh, Gosh, I can't believe he's. Clearly. Still can't believe he I'm said that. Back, man. Clearly, the better offense and yeah, defense. We're getting that back, the energy, the feeling, restoring the feeling.
1: Yeah, I had them fired up, man. They, they stopped on the logo, man. They listened to the podcast, but they believed.
3: But they're 1 0 when we're split 2 so. 2. There's, yeah, there's, there's a great stat. There's a great yeah, stat. We got all the nuggets. All the nuggets, <laughs> all the nuggets here, man.
2: You are welcome, Raider fans. You're going to enjoy your Monday night. Thanks to Vic and I.
1: I think you'll know right away. In all seriousness, you'll know in the first uh, 15 minutes. Like it's all about they have to play that same aggression they had last week. They didn't have it early on in the season for some reason, so they got to know the season's on the line and they have to believe they have a chance to win. You know, it's, uh, and Denzel will be a big part of that if he hits some guys like he did last week. So I just think we'll know right away what we're in for. And, um, and these games have gotten ugly in the past. You know, if they, they don't come out the same. A desperation mindset. So I think we'll know right away what this game will we'll hold. Don't comes.
3: fumble the first play of the game. Don't do that. Thank
4: you, Ted. Great advice there.
3: Did they fumble the first play of the game in Arrowhead last year? The Bucks fumbled the first play of the game uh, yeah.
2: last week too. Yeah, there you go. I think part of my justification too is, is similar to Tashawn picking why Tashawn picked the Raiders last week was like this team seems better than a one and four team going into the bye, and I think like I think there's a there's a world in which they play fairly well they lose a close game they go into the by one and four and you don't feel like all hope is lost but they very well might be you a one and four team come uh monday night but uh i think they have more talent on their uh on their roster than uh than a one and four team and so uh you know we we don't want to
4: see the season go off the rails uh so early so two and three that's the thing about their this is such a weird start to the season because it's like they even if they don't do go one and four it's, it's i don't think any of their losses were going to be like you know, where they just got their ass kicked. Like the, the first three were one score games where they had a chance to win it at the end. And this one, even though I, I picked them to lose by ten, that's still not the worst performance ever. And so I don't think it sounds kind of like a cop out, but like one and four, I wouldn't say they're a bad team if they do start one and four, just because of the nature of those losses and how how easy the rest of their schedule is going to be after that. And so, yeah, they're they're a weird position where I think you know whether they are even if they go two and three or one and four, I think they'll be a better team and whatever their, their record is going into the bye, which. I guess this is a, this is a sign of op- optimism for moving forward. I
1: think they're similar to last year. I think they can beat any team on their schedule, and they can lose any team on <laughs> their schedule. Even they can lose to the Houston Texans. I mean, that's just the way they, they're kind of built right now. They have some, some holes. They have some strengths. And there's some coaching you know, question marks. So I just think, like, like last year, they're kind of uh, they're hard to predict. They really are. They have talent, but um, clearly not enough talent to kind of always uh, get over the hump. So, uh, yeah, it should be good. I'm looking forward to It should be a good game.
2: All right, y'all. That'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back uh, late Monday, recording. So you'll probably listen to it Tuesday morning after the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Do it like a live chat, like at, uh, at two in the morning.
4: That'd be awesome. Completely sober. <laughs> Raider fans will be sober. If they win, they'll be wired. They'll still be. They'll still be with. They'll be. They'll be in there.
1: I'm telling you, this is this is gold, man. Gold.
4: All right, y'all. Later. Be clear skies for your ass whooping.